Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, first, let me thank everyone who has come online today to join this forum and to contribute your thoughts and your comments. Also very appreciative of the second panel that we'll have today, uh, made up of Mr. Lian, uh, Prof. Danny Kwa, and Professor Irene uh, Ng, which is moderated by Professor Tan and Sir. Uh, I think that panel will provide us a lot of food for thought as we think about the broader issues about platform work. Let me start off uh, this session by first sharing uh, with you some of what my team and I have been able to examine since uh, the later part of 2019, when some of us began our journey trying to better understand platform workers. Uh, in a while's time, I'll have my colleagues, uh, Wenli, uh, Fiona, Shamil, and Clara, provide us some insight on various parts of the study. Uh, my colleague, Shane, uh, will also join us when we take questions. And there were quite a number of people who were part of this team and some others who uh, are not able to join uh, today's discussion. Uh, do feel free during the presentations to raise uh, whatever questions you have, and uh, we want to provide as much clarity as we can uh, for what, in terms of what we found in the research. Uh, some of the broader questions about platform work, I think, would be best suited for the second panel, but there's a little bit more time to indulge in that discussion. We do have a paper which is uh, going to be available on the uh, IPS site, and uh, it'll also be found in our respective profile pages. It'll probably be there sometime early afternoon, about 3 p.m. So you're welcome to obtain that paper. And that will give you a very more a comprehensive picture of the study. And uh, I think it has a lot of its nuances and uh, you'll enjoy reading some of the ethnographic notes as well from that study. If I can have the slides, uh, please. And, uh, let me uh, go to the slides for today. We have... If Wenli, if you have the slides with you, that'll be good. If you can share it, thanks. Uh, we have uh, titled today's presentation, uh, Precarity in Platform Work, a study of private hire car drivers and food delivery uh, riders. Uh, there's little question that there is efficiency and opportunity that platform work provides, but we cannot uh, ignore the fact that there's also precarity and uh, algorithmic uh, logic and control that is part of this economic activity. So much of our focus here today is on precarity, uh, which happens in platform work. Uh, there are multiple notions of, of what precarity means that you can find in the academic literature. Uh, we examine uh, the concept of precarity uh, from a number of angles. Uh, oftentimes, they highlight specific job conditions, whether it's poor control over work, such as long working hours or erratic hours, little opportunity for career progression in the sense that it's dead end, you can't move up any further, generally not too well paid, at least when you consider the number of hours and what needs to be trade, traded off. I mean, you can also think about the expense and how time is used in such work. Uh, it also entails uncertainty, uh, much uncertainty, in, in especially a very psychological aspect of that, workers not knowing what will happen next, uh, ambiguous or disguised employment relationships, uh, lesser social protection and benefits, which normally come from uh, other kinds of work, which we are more uh, familiar with the kind of conventional work. Also, there's very little chance for any kind of collective bargaining uh, in uh, precarious work. Ultimately, precarity in work comes with businesses shifting some of their risk and responsibilities directly on workers. I can have next slide. To look at this whole area, uh, this whole issue, we, uh, we were, uh, we were, when we got into our research, we were uh, funded by two sources. One was Gojek Singapore, and the survey portion that we'll discuss later on was kindly funded by Gojek, and they also provided us much-needed listings for that study, and we're very appreciative of Gojek for its support here with this study. Uh, the other portion of finances that we had, which allowed this to be possible, was from the Social Science Research Council, uh, which funded the Social Service Research Center at NUS on a program called the Inward Poverty Study, which was funded for three years. It's led by uh, Professor Irene Ng, who will be on the second panel. I'm a co-investigator or co-PI of that particular study. Uh, so this is some of the support, and we are very, very grateful for some of the help to be able to do this study. The next slide. Uh, what we're going to do today and what our team is going to do is go through very quickly, uh, provide some notions about the benefits of platform work, some of the downsides of it. We'll talk about some recommendations and provide a conclusion to it. So let me first start, next slide, and talk about 
uh, the broad methodology, how we conducted this study. Uh, in 2019, we began seriously reading and thinking about platform work and beginning to engage in this area. The grant from SSRC uh, allowed us a clear view that we would be able to work on this for a couple of years, and that I think would allow us also to follow up on riders and drivers, and we are very appreciative of that. Uh, we have two components, as you see on the slide. We have a study on platform workers and also on food delivery riders. Uh, for the, the platform workers, uh, through the cooperation and the work with Gojek, we were able to survey up to 1,000 drivers. Uh, that listing was made possible through Gojek. Though it was provided by Gojek, uh, we do know that from the survey, 75% uh, of the drivers actually drove on multiple platforms. So it's, it's, it should not be seen as a survey of Gojek driver, drivers so much as a survey of platform uh, I mean, workers, or at least private hire, car drivers. Uh, they met, people drove on multiple platforms and also the survey was not in any way Gojek centric. It was broadly on the larger situation of platform workers in general. We also conducted 75 formal interviews, uh, both with drivers and with uh, riders in many hundreds of informal interviews. Uh, as a part of the ethnographic study, we, our colleagues were able to do ride-alongs with riders uh, I mean, journey with them, uh, meet them at multiple times, uh, engage them, watch them, be at malls and different places where riders and others congregate. So we had many ways of trying to comprehensively understand uh, this particular issue. Uh, if I can have the next slide. Uh, won't go through the details in terms of the profile of respondents here, but uh, sufficient to say we did have a good range of ages and uh, good range of educational levels represented within uh, the survey, which allows us to have some amount of comparison between different groups so that we can better appreciate the condition and how it affects different groups. Now, uh, the, the survey that we have, in, uh, certainly because it was sent to, in the listings, it was sent through email and uh, individuals who wanted to respond to it had to click on a link and answer it. Uh, it was a unique uh, use, uh, survey link. Uh, not everyone, especially those who are much older or with much lesser education, would likely do it. And so therefore, we do have a shortfall of that particular group. But as uh, all surveys, I mean, there's an amount of uh, bias to a particular group. So you definitely see that the population in this survey tends to be slightly better educated, at least have a post-secondary type of education, though we've got a, quite a lot of people with secondary and below. All right, so let me just jump through that and I can have the next slide. Let me go to the findings now and let me start with talking about the benefits of, uh, the next slide please, the benefits of platform work. And uh, so uh, before we, before my colleagues start looking at the downsides, let's talk about the benefits. The first big benefit and the first thing that we note uh, the slide really has got to do with livelihoods. There's a possibility of earning income, especially for those who would otherwise not have been able to earn such income levels. So of course, there are different uh, groups, especially if you think about those who are less educated, uh, the kind of income which is possible for whether it's a rider or a driver, oftentimes is much higher than what they would probably be familiar with in the broader economy. If you look at what Jen Chu says there, uh, you don't really need a lot of qualifications, so very uh, low barrier for entry. And so there is an opportunity to be able to make income. Uh, it looks at the app very interestingly as a money-making app. Uh, and uh, it's very suitable, especially for young people, as she says, because you work more, they pay you more. It's actually quite high pay. So there's a notion about it does help, especially if you're less educated, be able to leverage on areas where you would not have previously been able to. Now, as we look at our survey, we do know that a considerable number of the PhD drivers who are in our study uh, said that they had no choice. And now this notion about not having a choice, of course, is, is a relative, it's a subjective concept. If you look at the MOM Comprehensive Labour Survey, it seems that uh, about 80% of uh, platform workers did take on platform work as their preferred uh, type of work. Uh, that, that is in the, in the context of the fact that if you ask people, did you have an employment option? And uh, uh, I mean, nearly everybody probably would have in Singapore some kind of employment option. Uh, but of course, the question about whether that was the employment option they wanted, or whether that was something that, uh, I mean, or whether this particular, uh, I mean, considering all the different demands of that particular employment possibility, the kind of uh, 
conditions, people made uh, people felt that they had little choice but to gravitate towards platform work. And that's what we see in this particular study. Uh, and as you can see, uh, quite a few, 46% say, I cannot find other suitable kinds of work due to personal reasons. And uh, this is more likely to be said among people who are older. The next slide. So the possibility of earning substantial income comes through uh, these means. If you look at uh, some of the responses from drivers who did not take this job as a primary job, uh, you notice that about 76% actually say that it provides me extra income in addition to the income from my primary job. Uh, so it does provide some amount of additional income and uh, helps, especially this is if you notice among the younger respondents. Next slide. So if you put some of these things together and if you look at some of our qualitative quotes, uh, it, platform work seems to be a, a quick and convenient way of finding work at the switch on an app. Look at Amira's statement. Uh, she says that she needs to get money to get something for a child. And it's easy. You can log on to the app and you get the money. So for, for a group of respondents who generally did not have access to a stable income and jobs, this was a fantastic option because of the Swift Churn app, you were able to get some of that or fulfill some of your needs. You don't have to beg, you don't have to borrow, you can be able to get what you need. Uh, also, as Jeremy points out, there's certain life events, maybe a wedding or other things that you need to put a lot of, the lot of payment income is needed. And so uh, the option of being able to work hard on a, I mean, a platform job allows you to be able to get some of that. For others like Razi and Shafiq, this is an issue about not having uh, stable work uh, and uh, which could pay well, and especially because of their qualifications or in the case of Shafiq, possibly some kinds of, uh, of difficulties or injuries, which does not make some other kinds of work they were, they were supposed to be doing uh, possible. The next slide. Uh, and of course, if you are trying to transit from one job to another, especially if you're middle age season, uh, and as Chin Han points out, uh, I mean, to be able to get a job in the platform uh, economy uh, does provide you quite a bit of finances, more than what you would normally have been able to get. As he says, you have to be a company for quite a long time to be able to get a 4,000, 5,000 take-home salary. So it is something that, uh, I mean, it's quick. You can just get it. You don't have to have lots of interviews. You can just go and take up that job once you have the requisite license. So if I can move on to the next part, uh, one of the benefits of this job uh, is certainly it helps people in terms of their livelihoods. It also provides some flexibility and autonomy. Now, uh, later on, my colleagues will question this notion of flexibility and autonomy, uh, but, but starting off from the respondents in terms of how they look at it, uh, quite a few respondents talk about their flexibility. So for instance, 76% uh, say they enjoy the flexibility of the working hours, uh, and nearly half talk about this idea of being their own boss or the autonomy that comes with this work. Uh, certainly, when they, uh, when they make those statements of flexibility and autonomy, it's often time in relationship to some previous employment they were part of. And uh, perhaps that particular employment was very, very, uh, did exact considerable amount of effort and labor or had not very good conditions. So uh, the notion of flexibility that comes with this particular job was certainly something that propelled them into it. Uh, you can notice uh, how Adil talks about this, that, that uh, compared to other kinds of delivery jobs, the, the flexibility that comes with uh, I mean, using a platform is so much better. Uh, you can make, they have some freedom to say you cannot go to a place that's been assigned to you, which you may not be able to if you're a logistics driver, for instance. Uh, then for others like Guan and uh, uh, Guan, the, the long hours and some kinds of work, like you talk about, uh, Guan was in the hotel industry as a chef, many, many hours of work and preparation and, and the idea that, you know, I mean, that you will not be able to have the kind of work-life balance you need. Uh, or in the case of Ko, uh, I mean, the fact that, I mean, it, it, it gets very, very difficult to manage a lot of the demands that people have at the workplace. The next slide. Uh, and of course, uh, some of these considerations are a little bit more uh, important uh, for some groups of people. Now, it's important for a lot, but notions of flexibility, for instance, particularly tends to be more appealing to younger people. The next slide. 
Having said all that, I think it's a good time for us to, to move on and look at the downsides of platform work. And my colleague, Wendy, will take over. Okay, uh, thank you, Matthew. So um, while, as Matthew has elaborated, it seems like there's a lot of good uh, things, but there are a lot of uh, concerning downsides to platform work. And one of it is that in order to get sustainable, uh, substantial incomes, a sizable income, there are a lot of conditions to be met. And that means that the flexibility and the freedom comes with a lot of caveats. So um, one of it is the, this notion of slogging away to earn more. So while it is possible to reach high levels of incomes, workers do need to forego certain levels of freedom for it. So this is the grinding nature of platform work where they have to repeat tasks over and over again in long periods of hours in order to leverage on getting an adequate amount of jobs and incentives. So, um, so we have a case uh, of Marcus, which is a full-time bicycle rider that uh, he joined uh, over like two years ago. So we've kind of followed him for a while and we interviewed him a few times and we even like uh, followed him on his work day. So when he first started, um, as seen in this quote here, he thought that he doesn't need to work very long hours, but he realized that slowly it's not true because of COVID. And he started to come out earlier and earlier, adjusted his time, and he ended up working currently 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, almost every day. So um, I wrote with him on a few times. So uh, one time I wrote, uh, I cycled with him uh, for about nine hours on a Sunday, which is sort of his like half day. Uh, so this is the map of uh, where we cycled. So it's from Katip to Woodlands. So we cycled about almost 50 kilometers that day. So he was sent to like many places where many riders, uh, bicycle riders normally won't go because it's very far. Uh, and because, but he doesn't reject any orders from the app. He's never late for his shift and he doesn't take any breaks. So on the day that I followed him, he the only break that we took was a toilet break uh, when we were waiting for food. So um, therefore, it sort of like gives a different side of this flexibility because in order to earn sizable incomes, um, the relatively successful worker like Marcus, who earns about five to 6,000 a month, uh, has to follow the very long discipline hours with relatively strict and um, high levels of uh, you know, demands, uh, work schedules. So he has to sacrifice more time and income, and which is an inherent figure, a feature of the seemingly like uh, flexible platform work. And we also found that this is also similar for drivers who also earn uh, higher like incomes also. So um, in this in the survey, we see around like 25% of respondents indicated that they became a driver to because it provides with reasonably good income and close to half um, were not satisfied with their income as driver and approximately 40% were not satisfied with their working conditions. So even though they were attracted to the high incomes, they were not uh, necessarily attracted to, to um, you know, the, the conditions. So even though 57% said that they could tolerate the pressures of being a driver, uh, only one in five said that their overall quality of life improved since becoming a driver. So, you know, some drivers can tolerate the pressure, but they are not uh, generally satisfied with it. Yeah. Yeah. So younger drivers are generally more satisfied in some areas, but overall satisfaction is still low. Okay, so, um, so while flexibility is one of the biggest draws to platform work, we argue that for platform workers, especially full-time platform workers, where they derive their primary income from platform work, grinding is the only way to earn sizable income, and they are unable to enjoy the flexible uh, time or the so-called flexibility that uh, it was once promised to them. So before COVID, you know, maybe you know, the idea of flexibility has changed over time, right? So maybe back then, freedom was about getting bigger income, able to go to more family out, uh, outings and those kind of things. But now, uh, especially, um, there's a lot of changes in the incentive structure and all of those things. Um, that The meaning of flexibility and freedom may have changed to you know, taking breaks whenever they want to, but taking a break itself is very costly. So this is the paradox. Flexibility is volatile, 
and it's very insecure. Um, and, you know, like the issue of freedom becomes very irrelevant to someone, for example, like Shem, who states here that great, it's great to earn money, but you don't have time to spend the money. And uh, like what Razi said here, right? Like unless you are aiming, you're not aiming to get income, then there's flexibility. So meaning that if you want to get income, then there's no flexibility at all. You have to go on the road for like, you know, 10 to 12 hours, doesn't matter, right? Yeah. So uh, why is this the case? Is there really like freedom and flexibility in platform work? So yes, there is freedom to a certain extent, but at the same time, workers are also controlled and incentivized to behave in a certain way by the app itself. So like all other forms of work, there is still like uh, work rules that govern behaviors. But unlike other forms of work where the boss is like a, a, a person, a human person or the HR right here, um, the platform work itself is governed by algorithms. So known as algorithm management, which is the governance and control of uh, workers using software. So they are constantly under surveillance, you know, and as much as the slogan, be your own boss, uh, you know, um, is, is, you know, being perpetuated, uh, workers do have to follow the arrangements by the algorithm, like how, you know, algorithm assign jobs, you know, assign tiers and badges, um, the, uh, the shift system and a series of incentives and penalties. So for workers to follow an income, they need to hit targets and incentives and the behaviors are regulated. So as Desmond here states is that, you know, um, there are rules and workers are encouraged to either do not cancel orders, otherwise they will get suspended, a penalty, or they will get more incentives, which is a reward. Yeah. So I'll give my colleague uh, to elaborate. Thanks, Wendy. So another downside to platform workers is that it would hamper their long-term career mobility. Those who do well in gig work and are likely to put in substantial effort into their gig work tend to be those who already have decent levels of human capital they may increasingly find it difficult to find other jobs despite having the requisite skills, especially if they have stayed in this job for some time. So through the interviews with the platform workers, some of them shared that they recognize that this job is just a job. It's not a career. There's no growth in salary nor their skill sets. And some of them questioned, what is their experience in the past few years? And they know that it's not very, very relevant for the next job. And some of them also shared that they may need to lower their expectations if they were to find, if they want to find another job. In the case of Shafiq, he says that he does not have time to actually take time off to go and find training because then his wife would be the sole breadwinner. So for those with reduced household incomes, taking time off for training is not very possible. Next slide, please. So without the necessary experience and skill sets, there's limited value add to the resume, and this would hinder the worker's ability for other gainful employment. The job is somewhat secure, but there's a perception that the job leads to nowhere. Also amongst the young who has fewer, fewer opportunities, there, there may be a disinterest in full-time employment, which I'll touch on more later. Also in an industry where time is really just money, it's really difficult to leave or find time to upgrade themselves when they have to work long hours in order to earn higher incomes or chase incentives. Also, the more years they work in the job, the more difficult it seems to be able to move out of it, especially for those with better qualification. Next slide, please. So here we see a screenshot by one of the drivers where he shared he, he actually applied for 169 jobs, but he has not been able to get a job. And he recognizes that his years of working in platform work does not give him a good heads up to employers. Next slide. So while about 40% actually foresee themselves driving for another three to five years at least, slightly more than half would leave as soon as possible if they had job opportunities. Around 30 to 40% actually felt that there was a slight increase in their skill sets. But I do find that among certain groups like the more educated, they will find that there's no improvement in their entrepreneurial skills. Also slightly less than a third actually felt that they could easily get a job similar to their previous role or related to their education and training. 
And we also find that those who derive full incomes from the job were less likely to feel this way. Next slide, please. So we do see that the results were almost the same across age groups. But for older drivers, they do find it more difficult to find another job similar to their previous role in education as compared to younger age groups. So we do find an interaction effect between age and education, where respondents with at least a bachelor's degree who were older report that it's increasingly difficult to find another job as compared to those with secondary education and below. Given that those with a university education who aspire towards PME roles, being in platform work would not help them to build up on the latest in-demand skills or be aware of the latest market trends, which would be necessary to help them to find a PME job. Also, for those who are older, they would find it difficult to find another job also possibly because they may find that they have a smaller pool of jobs available to them. Next slide. About a third actually viewed themselves in the gig economy as a future and viewed working in a job in a gig economy is a better way of earning a living as compared to working in a traditional nine to five job. And find that this was more apparent amongst younger age groups. This may be worrying if more younger individuals find that platform work is an attractive alternative job as uh, they may not consider the long-term repercussions such as hampering their long-term career mobility. Next slide. So while there may be some success stories about higher incomes, there's also the opportunity cost that which, which needs to be considered where um, they may not be able to take time off to upskill or it will hamper their long-term mobility and they may be stuck in a low-wage job which uh, does not have any career progression. Next slide. So amongst the platform drivers, they also experience status frustration and discontent where those with a higher formal education feel that they are overqualified for this job and do not feel that the job is developing them professionally. So in the case of Shafiq, he actually has not told his wife that he's working as a platform worker as he did not want to fall short of her expectations. So he has been telling her that he is going to the office. Next slide. Platform workers also tend to find difficult to save adequately. So we find that around 60% actually did not have enough savings to take care of their personal and family needs for the next three to six months if they stopped working today. And a majority of them felt that they could not save enough because their expenses take out almost all of their monthly income and that they have existing debts to clear. Next slide. So uh, some of the uh, platform workers shared. So in the case of do, he shared. Uh, CPF is empty, he needs to pay for his HDB. So what will happen when he gets older when he's no longer able to work and earn incomes from platform work? Also in case of Hockney, he, he shared that um, uh, platform work helps to um, pay his bills, but it does not help to build up on his savings and does not help to keep his future going. Next slide. So we do find that uh, around 60% actually experience high financial stress. And this was more apparent amongst the middle age group, which may have higher financial commitments with family and children. We also find that a majority of the drivers actually were worried about whether they had enough retirement savings or whether they had enough savings if them or a family member has an accident or serious illness. We find that um, uh, drivers who earned their full incomes from platform work and also those who have been driving for some time tended to be more worried about this. Next slide. About half of them actually did not make voluntary CPF contributions and uh, younger drivers and those with revenue incomes from driving actually were more likely to not uh, make voluntary CPF contributions. This may be worrying because CPF is something important for many Singaporeans to pay for their large expenses like housing. And we do see that uh, about one third actually were not willing to set aside any incomes for their retirement savings, healthcare savings, and unemployment insurance. And this, uh, this group may require more nudging to encourage them to save for the future. Next slide. So some of the drivers shared that um, um, they think CPF is good because it helps them to pay for the house and they don't need to worry. But they, um, in the case of he saying he actually shared that um, he hopes there's more flexibility to CPF and he comments on the inflexibility of it. Next slide. So 
Apart from workers are also rather concerned about their health and report decreasing levels of health over time. So we see that about 44% actually felt that their health has worsened since they started driving. And about 60% were very stressed, uh, were more stressed about taking long breaks during their driving hours. And they were generally not satisfied with the medical benefits provided by platform companies. Also, another concern is that uh, drivers are incentivized to drive sticky because they are chasing after incentives or after the extra income. And this is not only a safety hazard to themselves, but also to others, uh, for example, the road users. And they are not adequately covered by accidents and longer term health issues. Next slide. So you find that across age groups, the results were fairly similar. Uh, next slide. So, um, there's a stress that they deal um, with passengers and also with other users, such as during traffic jams. So despite um, uh, the longer working hours having an impact on their physical health, there's also stress from different sources and the job is not as straightforward as it seems. So I'll now hand over the time to my colleague to share more about the other downsides. Uh, thanks, Fiona. So, um... So we also found that platform work attracts uh, lower income individuals, particularly those living in rental flats. So we do visit like neighborhoods uh, in, with high clusters of rental flats. And we noticed that uh, there's a lot of like uh, rider gears and it's, platform work is like a, it's very prevalent as a form of like primary income work in uh, rental uh, flats, rental housing. So a lot of such individuals uh, may get entrenched and invested into this world as their goals may circulate around getting new equipment, uh, upgrading their, their bikes or e-bikes. So, so here, right, uh, here's a picture of like a corridor in a rental uh, flat. So, so this is like a point of consideration for for platform work is that what happens when um, platform works no longer become sustainable? What will happen to this group of lower income individuals? So especially as we will discuss next, uh, platform work is, is full of like precarity. So I'll give the time to my colleague to explain the precarities. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Wendy. And, uh, you know, it was only when we entered um, the, the world of our participants via qualitative approach like ethnography, did we actually discover how many rental housing uh, were actually riders and it's a, it a large proportion. Um, so, you know, somewhat related to that is a theme of precarity and experienced by, uh, by a group of our essential workers, right? So according to our survey, about 91% said they were worried uh, that they will no longer be able to earn enough money uh, as, a, as a driver um, because of the financial incentives given by ride-sharing companies are increasingly being cut or reduced. Um, now, in interestingly, the majority, about 65% of them, were also worried about the rapid rise of uh, self-driving vehicles. Now, whether self-driving vehicles will do so or not, it is this perception and of uncertainty and the resultant persistent uh, anxiety. Um, for example, the changing policies, like previously the PMD ban, or what uh, platforms uh, call uh, platform workers actually refer to as the ban. Uh, you know, um, this perceived drop and constant change with incentives amount. You know, the schemes. Um, this impacts ideas of certainty, in fact, uh, or even trust, right? Uh, it doesn't matter actually whether things are kind of true or not, right? So these perceptions are important, uh, but whether people actually believe it to be true and therefore act upon uh, their belief. And that kind of, uh, the actions are the ones that we uh, researchers actually study, right? So it can be in terms of stress and, and, and the impacts of stress, for example. Um, so therefore perceptions are really important. And our next slide, please. Uh, one more. Yeah, and as you can see, um, uh, previous slide. As you can see, across the the board, the different ages, like there's, um, you can see that people uh, worry. Sorry, when you were a previous slide, there is uh, the uh, across the the different ages, basically right? the worries across different ages, not just uh, just to so called the twenty one year olds, whatever. It's all the way, all the way uh, up uh, fifty and above as well. Uh, so it's really across the board. Uh, so let's dive a bit deeper into the everyday experience. Uh, next slide. So informed by our data generated by our ethnographic work, especially, uh, we're able to create experience or work journey maps. Uh, basically, it deconstructs a typical work experience into distinct stages that drivers and or riders go through in a typical journey. Of course, you can you should note that, of course, uh, you know, different profiles of uh, riders 
um, in fact, different even different applications would have that impact on the experience, right? For example, a part time a part timer uh, would have probably less incentives, right? It's a simple uh, difference. Uh, a person who's very experienced, a, a very experienced driver rider, would have very different experience compared to a younger uh, new uh, rider, right? Uh, more more green eyed, happy uh, <laughs> rider driver. Um, so yeah, so. And the map allows us to better appreciate what, what it takes, uh, what takes place and the pain points in each stage, uh, it, whether it be interaction with customers or even infrastructure. Right? Um, now, do note that while we might point out pain points, it's not, it's not to sort of, uh, it's, it's not intentional in the sense to put a particular company or, or organization down. It's more of this open this discussion, right, of, of how we can sort of improve certain things, not just for the workers, but also uh, for every, everyone else, including uh, the different stakeholders. Um, so, I won't go through each stage, but it just shows another way of looking at precarity and the worker, and that is in terms of process, right? Uh, uh, that is uh, the reminder, the everyday reminder of uh, of via the experiences of uh, precariousness and um, and precarity, right? Uh, so you might on the first day you might not think of it as being precarious, for example, but maybe after some time this reminder reminds you how precarious it is. So therefore, this idea of the process of uh, precariousness, right? Uh, next, please. Uh, so this is a journey uh, of the this is a driver's journey map. Seven distinct stages from weight all the way to uh, payment and and everything is is rather uh, obvious in the sense I, I think self-explanatory, not self-explanatory, but self explanatory. Um, um, but and and I'll try to go through some 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 parts uh, here. So for example, the wait time is basically the time in between the pings. Uh, when they just log in, or maybe they just completed a job on standby for the next, uh, or maybe they're filling the petrol trigger is basically the ping itself, what we refer to as ping, or what, what uh, riders or drivers refer to as the ping, literally a ping sound sometimes, right? Um, that's when the job comes in um, and they think whether to cancel and so on and so forth, uh, all the way back to um, all the way to the payment. Um, and and uh, next slide, please. For riders, uh, same, they have seven, but, but again, different experiences for, for example, rider, uh, uh, on a motorcycle versus on a on a bicycle, right? Um, you know, think of things like you know overheads, fixed costs of petrol, uh, you know the petrols or being tired pedaling. I think when Lee mentioned about, uh, I think Marcus just now how many. 50 kilo, and that was not the full ride, by the way. Uh, yeah, so so Wendell knows this very well. She actually was uh, game enough to to follow a number of uh, cyclists. I wasn't. I actually took a motorbike instead. I I, I was a pillion uh, rider um, for certain reasons, uh, Related to my fitness. Any anyway, so so you know so and 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 obviously different apps will have different experiences. For example, you know certain uh, riding your delivery apps would you know you need to book in advance for certain areas before you can actually. Uh, uh, enter basically and log in. Um, so again, um, you know things like you know packaging matters. Uh, you know um, whether the the the, the spillage uh, knowledge of the the FNB uh, restaurant also matters. Whether the rest restaurant is popular, slow, so on and so forth. Right. Um, those things matter with regard to uh, the pickup, the never the and the wayfinding. Wayfinding is basically uh, obviously finding your way to the destinations involved. Next stage. Uh, next uh, slide, please. Um, so let's jump into some of the stages. For the waiting stage, as mentioned earlier, and this you know connects to uh, flexibility again. Now, why do we talk about flexibility? Because it's a major theme uh, that, that is constantly top for all stakeholders, right? Um, so with with full timers, we see that you know uh, we see people following the beat of the app, um, or more accurately, following the the ping of the app, uh, and not the other way around. Right, so they, they 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 have to work during the peak hours and chase uh, incentives. Right, um, look for busy areas. For example, uh, the heat map. In, next slide, please. The the heat map on the lower right hand corner there. You know to look for places. Right, it's not a matter of oh you know on time on target. Let's find let's let's start work on this time and I can earn this amount. Right, there is this importance of actually uh, following certain uh, peak periods and and and, and whatnot. Uh, especially if you're full time or part time, it's a very different experience, as I mentioned. Um, we also get to see where uh, you know workers actually wait, right, for uh, for the next job, right, and 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 this again uh, speaks to uh, the idea of whether the city itself is designed for our essential workers uh, who are increasingly part of our everyday, right? Where do they actually wait, and is it free parking, for example? All these things matter. We're not talking about cyclists; we're talking about, for example, motorcyclists or or drivers. So top right hand corner, you see people by the petrol station waiting. The other one is uh, in front of a house, for example. Just looking for spaces uh, to wait. Of course, when during peak period, you don't have to wait. It's, it, it's great. Uh, but there are periods of time where you literally have to wait. 
and where do you wait, right? Um, we all want them to send the food to us, but we don't think of sometimes this thing only when you follow them and you see how and where they wait do we see actually um, these things actually happening, right? And um, yeah, so uh, another interesting area we also observe is, and it's related to agency basically, which is a choice of free will, is this idea of they, uh, workers always constantly try to figure out how, how to get jobs, right? How to uh, get the ping, basically. And they will come up with numerous uh, ideas or, 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 or theories, right? For example, or even, uh, you know, even um, uh, going on Telegram or WhatsApp groups uh, that would have, um, that would list jobs, basically, uh, that, that some of these drivers or riders can, can, can take without, uh, without commission. Basically, there's no kind of middleman commission. Uh, basically, try to create an unstable job to, to, make, to create stability out of something that's unstable, right? Um, even, in fact, there are people also say that you need to, uh, the secret is actually to clear the cachet. Uh, there's a previous slide, but but you know this idea of uh, clearing of the cachet is uh, another thing. So you know we and, and and this connects to the idea of transparency, right? So how does one actually how is jobs actually actually allocated? Is it proximity? Is it the cachet? Uh, is it uh, literally uh, other factors? Right? No one really knows. Um, next, please. Uh, yeah, and this idea of hacks is another thing. Next, next, please. Um, so, but 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 you can also get stuck in in stage one, right? We saw this in COVID, right? Um, where you can experience a jam basically um, in your journey, uh, and and this connects to this idea of uh, of course COVID is an extreme example, but and we saw you know how some certain uh, I think Grab was uh, you know people uh, that allowed uh, drivers to to you know thankfully uh, uh, um, do delivery as well, right? But that also connects to this original idea of what precarity is, right? Which is um, this idea of obtaining uh, by prayer. That's the original meaning of uh, precarity. And, and you know, believe me, I did see many workers praying hard during uh, this period of time. Um, basically, you know, this depending on others, right? Uh, it's depending on discretionary favors uh, and not so much rights. Um, so, so basically, the platform, for example, is able to choose and make it easier to get incentives and earn substantially more, causing some to leave their job and join full time, as we saw, especially in the Uber days, earlier days. Uh, you know, some many of my participants actually left their jobs, right, to, to do this uh, full time, uh, and or they can make it harder to get incentives, pushing some drivers to many more hours to to earn certain incentives. Um, and we all know full timers depend on incentives. I mentioned earlier. Next slide, please. Yeah, and, and 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 let's not forget, you know, a lot of our drivers are different from normal uh, free free uh, freelancers, right? They are price. They can't set the price basically. Um, uh, as this Gary says, you know, they can only control the location, uh, but not the price. Like Gary's a sociology student, so as he mentioned, I think a false consciousness down there. Like, oh, what's this guy about? Okay, so next uh, next slide, please. Uh, one more. Yeah. So 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 now we have our order, right? So now uh, we so next slide. So we'll we'll go and pick up the the order. Now, now that is if the person is actually there, uh, or doesn't it cancel the on the driver along the way? Next slide. And if the driver doesn't act like, um, so, so there's also this idea of uh, arriving to no one, right? And then you have to decide like who who actually pays for this. Does it is it the the the, the platform or is it the other platform or is it the driver? And you know how do you call? Do you call? Do you email? There's the multiple uh, different. Uh, um, uh, experiences in that in that part and and um and of course some some uh, of course some restaurants also or fnbs are a bit slower than others right uh, and that's another issue there right and 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 they get blamed by the customer which impacts their uh they might get uh, it might impact their so-called rating later on which impacts the incentive also and detail next one please now uh, we have we, we we have spoken about dealing with uh, customers earlier but i just want to stress on um um you know that dealing with customers and the stress or relief it brings right because sometimes uh, customers act as those kind of listening ear for some of our drivers especially um but what about gender element uh, next slide please as sherry uh, illustrates uh, about how she has on some occasions felt uncomfortable with dealing with especially some male passengers. of course we know that you know very uh, a really small percentage are, are women uh, drivers um but uh, you know uh, as with most things let's not forget so-called minorities right um but you know interestingly some platform drivers uh, operators have tried to educate drivers on professional behavior and, uh, and what constitutes uh, sexual harassment. Or how about the other way around? How about uh, passengers and how they behave and treat uh, drivers' riders? Thank you. Uh, next slide, please. Um, so now finding the place, 
So finding a place can be a hassle. Um, we're talking about infrastructure, right? Whether it be uh, uh, friendly or hostile infrastructure. On the left is considered to be a hostile infrastructure. But you want to go fast, but you know you got to block it. On the right is an example of something that's great. That's something that can would help our riders um, to look for houses. Next slide. Because you know, for riders, they're looking for units, not just a block, right? Uh, there's a bit of a difference for riders and a driver. Um, and and just as when you think you're getting paid, of course, uh, you know, there of course it's not very frequent, but it's enough uh, for riders and ride and drivers to know that there are some issues here, right? With regard to passengers running away. Next slide. Uh, or or play pranks, right? Uh, you know, where they order actually there's no one there. Um, and then again, who pays? You know, who how, who who do you talk to? And and of course, there's some apps that have a certain. Uh, Certain uh, so-called uh, what do you do next kind of uh, thing embedded in the in the UI itself, uh, but some do not right. And of course, the idea of some paying cash and not cash is another thing to think about. Some apps only digital, so you don't have to worry about these things. Um, next slide, please. Yeah. So then, and then we drive home, right? As we go home, tired, having bills to pay. Uh, you know, for especially those with tertiary education, you know, they have to deal with the regular questions, frequent questions related to, uh, I, it, when are you getting another job? Or you know, you study so hard. Uh, can you get a better job? You know, this this constant reminder that this isn't an ideal job for you, right? By your partner, or your mother, father, uh, friends, and so on and so forth, right? You need to move. But then they will say, you know, like this idea of like where they don't have time, right? To, to look for, like some of them would say they don't have time to look for another job. Uh, next slide, please. But and, and how about major bumps along the way home, for example, like accidents, right? Who is liable? Like we have a, a participant actually uh, who has gone through at least three accidents and even COVID. Um, and, and so, so we, we spoke to him to try to understand, you know, like who pays, for example, a vehicle accident. And he, he really feels that it's mainly him because he pays for the vehicle insurance itself, right? Um, and and it, it, without injury, I'm talking about injury, but more of a the vehicle accident, he's paying it. But he feels that it should be 100% uh, the company since he's doing work for the company. Um, he was on MC also because of COVID as well, but, you know, some, some, uh, some platforms only go until the sixth day um, onwards. That means after six days, six days onwards, you get paid about 75% of your average uh, gross uh, pay. Um, so he got COVID and he got paid about 75% over there. Um, so yeah, so so speaking of, uh, you know, the pain points, uh, you know, Clara now will take you through some recommendations. Uh, Clara, please. Thanks, Shamil. So to address the downsides of platform work, we have to first figure out the groups that are most affected. Uh, next slide. Looking more closely at drivers, we see that they are a diverse group. So we clustered the drivers using the survey data and found four salient groups. And they differ on numerous attributes, stresses, and motivations. We can see that the no choices are the more experienced drivers and they drive full-time. And they are also the most inclined to leave the industry and the most stressed over their finances and health. Work autonomy or self-improvement opportunities were in comparison uh, not as important to them as compared to the satisfied drivers who are experienced as well, but they drive part-time. We couldn't systematically cluster riders, but from our qualitative study, we can also see that delivery riders are a heterogeneous group uh, as well. Next slide. We also segmented the drivers by their age and employment status, which is whether they drive full-time or part-time. We again find differences now between six groups uh, of drivers, with full-timers being quite different from the part-timers. I will briefly elaborate on how they differ in the different stresses and motivations. So first, we see that part-timers were more likely to value the flexibility and the autonomy that driving provides and were more satisfied with the job overall. This has likely got to do with the fact that they have another job on the site. So with whatever free time that they have, they could just switch over to driving to supplement their income. When we look at full-timers, uh, on the other hand, they tend to take up driving because they have no choice and they, uh, they are more likely than part-timers to want to leave uh, the industry as soon as they find another job. Uh, also, full-timers and especially younger full-time drivers tend to have fewer savings, which translate to greater worries and anxieties over their retirement or whether they have enough money to cover any health or accident-related contingencies. Younger full-time drivers will also less likely to make voluntary CPF contributions and will also less uh, willing to set aside a portion of their income for things like retirement and healthcare. So we can see that in general, 
full-timers uh, and especially the younger ones are in a more precarious financial position. Younger full-timers also push themselves a bit more to drive uh, for longer hours, but at the same time, they are also aware that they are not taking enough rest uh, in between shifts. The fluctuating financial incentives of platform work uh, you know, affect everyone across the board. But of course, being full-time drivers, they would feel the impact a lot more as this is their only source of income. So any recommendation or intervention must consider the heterogeneity of platform workers. But who should be taking up the duty to mitigate the downsides of platform work? Drivers are often referred to by the platforms uh, as driver partners, but we can see that less than one third of drivers see themselves as partners in the ride-sharing business. Most see themselves as self-employed, but also constrained in ways that other self-employed workers are not. There is also a sense of a lack of open communication that will make them feel like partners in the business. Drivers feel that the Singapore government would be the best uh, able to represent them and their interests. They trust that the government can help them, you know, make sure that their income is secure and in safeguarding their overall welfare of platform workers. Uh, this is in comparison with other entities like uh, associations, which includes the National Private Hire Vehicles Association, uh, as well as the Freelancers and Self-Employed Unit. Um, and it, it is also in comparison to other drivers uh, as well as ride-sharing companies. We also considered various interventions while also keeping in mind that uh, different platform workers have different needs uh, and that no intervention is going to solve every problem. A rest period policy may be introduced like what Uber and Lyft uh, did in the United States uh, in order to encourage uh, safer driving practices. Savings can also be encouraged uh, with matched CPF contributions and greater healthcare or accident insurance coverage would also make drivers feel more protected. There are also full-time drivers who wish to leave the industry but are still driving because they haven't found alter uh, alternatives. Easier access and guidance via the many career platforms that are already available can help these drivers better transition out, especially the younger full-time drivers who experience more of the downsides uh, of driving. Getting drivers to be aware of what driving and riding entails and reducing informa uh, information asymmetries can help both full-time career drivers and riders make better choices and help platform companies as well to get more committed drivers and rider partners. Improving our urban infrastructure landscape could also help our riders more as they make uh, their way uh, around the island. Uh, so with that, I will now pass the time back to Matthew to wrap up. Thank you. Thank you, Clara. Uh, we spent some time in this uh, study to provide you some sense of uh, both the benefits of platform work. We've talked about the fact that uh, they're able to earn substantial amounts of money, especially for those who may not be able to earn such incomes if they had gone for other work. Uh, and we do notice that there are particular types of uh, places in the, uh, I mean, in the work and the labor force where people would prefer this kind of flexibility and autonomy. Uh, though, of course, in the process of discussing the downsides of platform work, uh, we have highlighted the fact that uh, the notions of flexibility and autonomy need to be somewhat questioned. Uh, we do know that uh, though people talk about higher incomes and they probably do have better incomes than what would have normally have uh, received, uh, we do know that they have to grind very substantially for that. Uh, and of course, there is an impact on health uh, and of course, you know, most a lot of jobs do have to impact health, but uh, there's also very often if you're in an employed situation, the requisite type of protection for that, you don't see that uh, often time in platform work. So we do see that this group tends to have lower savings and uh, financially stressed, uh, feel sometimes entrenched in this particular work, don't have the ability to navigate out into other kinds of career. Uh, and so we shared a number of recommendations. Uh, maybe we can just get rid of the slides from now and uh, I did uh, in the process, thank you very much for all the many, many questions that uh, people have been, uh, many of you have put out and uh, I've tried my best and we've tried our best to try to answer those, especially those which are 
based on the presentation, the content, the specifics of methodology and others. I hope those responses would be sufficient right now to provide you some uh, idea and we can talk a little bit more about that. But I want to take a number of questions since they are there and I thought, I mean, of course, many of these questions can also be asked in the next panel. And I think the next panel will probably do a lot more in terms of providing some sense of it. But let me just take up some of the questions which directly uh, might be related to the fieldwork. And so perhaps we could kind of provide some uh, notions here. Uh, one, of course, has got to do with this uh, question about uh, I think in uh, Ching Wen's question in terms of the uncertainty and sustained livelihood, uh, concern about uh, whether this kind of platform work would be, will provide the kind of meaningful sustained support. And so I think the question really is that uh, from these platform workers, do they look at longer term prospects uh, to be able to take care of the needs of their families, uh, take care of the healthcare needs. I'll quickly uh, turn to Wen Li. Wen Li, you have a quick comment about that in terms of the riders. Uh, what did you find from that? Sorry, I didn't catch the, the, the last part. Sorry. Yeah. So, so when it comes to the issue about uh, sustainability, the thought about the long term, uh, did you find that the uh, riders, for instance, they had a notion that what they would do in the longer term to sustain, take care of their families and themselves? Yeah, so for riders, um, the group is very like uh, heterogeneous. So there's like low incomes and also there's also like uh, university graduates. So it's, it's because the barrier of entry is very low. So what they think about their future uh, and the sustainability of the job itself is very different. So um, for like a lot of the more lower income individuals who are very used to precarious work, like before platform work, they were already doing precarious work. So platform work is just one of the many many, many like work that is, it's just one episode of their lives. Uh, but for maybe for um, high, uh, like maybe university graduates or poly graduates who do platform work, maybe they will think like, uh, maybe they will do well for now. They can earn $5,000, $6,000 in platform work, uh, riding in riding, but then they also have to think like, would they be able to ride when they're 50 and 60 years old? But also um, the more educated will also, Think about like more like how to say things about what will happen if platform companies uh, are no longer like dominating the market. Like what happens if this business model is no longer uh, sustainable? So and all of the like what happened to uh, Uber, right? Like uh, what if another company eats them, uh, you know, like uh, merge or like, uh, you know, or they leave the market? what will happen to them. So those are things that we need to consider, like, is it sustainable in the long run? Yes, it is for now, but, uh, you know, there are a lot of uh, people who do blue collar jobs for life, right? But for this case is that this is not a, it's not like a full-time full employment. There's no like securities uh, in the market is still, you know, like what happened with COVID, right? Like the earnings drop, like not just, uh, you know, a little bit, but it's very substantial uh, income drops to the point where some of them who are not doing well in riding have to move on to different jobs. So that's why, you know, the long-term future of platform work is still um, very, like, uncertain. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Wendy. Let me just get another question, which, again, I'm just in, uh, questions which probably would benefit from no, knowing what respondents said. Uh, did the, did the, uh, the qualitative aspects interrogate the decision not to contribute to CPF, question by Christopher, uh, by about half of the respondents? Uh, why were people not contributing to CPF? Shamil, do you have any quick thoughts about that uh, in terms of our discussion about CPF contribution and why people did not feel that they wanted to do that? Yeah, thank you, Matthew. Yeah, I, I, you know, when we asked about your CPF contribution, I think the many people who actually are in this, uh, at least for those people we, we interviewed and spoke with, um, they want the money in hand, right, to, to pay for those bills, uh, you know, whether it be loans. Uh, we're not talking about just the low income ones, we're talking about even the higher uh, income ones uh, as well. I mean, sorry, the educated ones. Um, it's this idea of money in hand to pay for, for, for bills and, you know, to, to contribute uh, is is basically of course uh, taking away uh, that ability to pay for for those uh, for those things. So thanks. yeah, thanks, Samuel. Yeah, and and I think the the general sense if you you talk to drivers, riders, I mean everybody prefers to have 
cash on hand. The first we did hear from our conversation, they said, well, I mean, it's kind of an interesting conversation when you say, well, if the government forces me to do it, I think it's useful. I mean, so there's a sense that, uh, that hey, I mean, I, if, unless I am forced to put in the saving, uh, I won't do that. But if I'm forced to, then I do understand that there are some merits to this. And as uh, our presentation mentioned just now, people do understand that, especially if you're younger, it does contribute to uh, the security of housing, for instance. It does have that longer term effect when it comes to retirement. So I think people did understand that. I, I do know I'm uh, run out of time and uh, we've tried our best to answer quite a few of the questions which were very directly related to the presentation. There are many other broader questions that I do think will be uh, very, very uh, helpful to be discussed during the, the next session. So I uh, will ask Prof Tan to continue to take up these questions so that the, the panel later would have a very, very fruitful discussion based on some of these broader questions.